This is the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast with your hosts, Scott Walker and Jamie Davis, episode 199. I'm one of your hosts, Jamie Davis, author of Fun Fantasy and Sci-Fi Reads. I'm here with my co-host, urban and cozy fantasy author, Scott Walker. Scott, you know, we've, we're in episode 199. That means next episode is episode 200. 100, 100. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, we, we probably need to do something special for the intro to that episode. We'll have to think of something. We probably should, although you know, I can't take credit for that. I came in so late in the game. You're, you're, you. This is your gig. This is your podcast with 200 episodes. I, I think I came in like 180 something. Oh, you still, you're still here. So you get the, you get the party with the rest of us. I get to celebrate it with you. I love that. That's love awesome. That. Yeah. How, what have you been up to? Man, uh, recovering from the holidays, which were amazing, and planning for 2024. Trying to get my author ducks in a row. Uh, looking at things I want to do big, scary goals um, I can't quite talk about yet. But what I'm doing this week as of the moment of this recording is in about two days, I'm going to be bringing on the second wave of Cozy Bales authors and doing a Zoom call to introduce them to the world and the project and explain how it works and how they can play in that sandbox. And uh, the anthology Winter Tales from Cozy Bales that launched last month has gotten awesome ratings and lovely, lovely feedback from readers. So, um, there, you know, it, it's an anthology. It's different authors, different tones, different voices, different types of stories, but readers are loving it. And we are gearing up to, uh, work on our new anthology, which is coming out. We're targeting May. So, which, which is going to come a lot sooner than I want it to. It's fast. Um, yeah, it is fast, but uh, you know we're going to do summer tales from Cozy Vale, so be ready for some summer summer themed cozy stories. Uh, what about you, my friend? What are you up to? Well, um, I've been working on my new community over at the Ream platform. That's a platform for authors to have a community and a subscription platform uh, for people that want to pay for additional access and additional things. But I also have a free follower level there. And um, I've really had a great time interacting with folks and um, especially those those people that wanted to subscribe to get early access to some upcoming books. And uh, that's all been a lot of fun. And people have been commenting on the free stories and commenting on the books that they have access to for the paid tiers. And um, I'm really excited about having that opportunity to interact on a different level with my readers. Yeah, I've been looking at that platform and I think what because it's tailored for authors and readers as opposed to something similar like Patreon, I think it allows authors to do some very unique, cool uh, experiences and connections with readers. They can do things they can't do on other platforms. And building that community of your most dedicated, loyal fans and being able to do super cool things that they can't experience anywhere else, I think is awesome. So I'm I'm very excited about that that platform service. Um, I want to talk about one thing, though, Mr. Conference Director. Uh, there's this there's this event coming up in November called Author Nation, and it's not just for authors; it's for readers too. And I happen to have caught the news, uh, the announcement of the keynote speaker, I believe, someone who might be a well-known name. Yeah, well, Kevin, Kevin Smith Smith's- from like Clerks, and yes. yeah, I mean, yeah. just a, such a big name in the indie creator space. And he's coming to talk at our conference. 
And the cool thing is he's coming on Thursday night right before the big reader author event on Friday. So that means that readers can come and hear him speak too. And then the next day go and get their books signed by their favorite authors and meet new authors. And um, there's even going to be a super like extra special reader event for those that want to have some extra close access to their favorite authors. Lots of cool stuff coming up with that event. Very cool. And tickets are now officially on sale. Yep. For, for the authors, tickets are on sale and more information for the readers will be coming out soon for the readers and authors Vegas event or rave as we are calling it. Um, will be coming out soon. Stay tuned to this podcast. We'll talk about it here. In fact, maybe we can even get Mandy on who's in charge of the rave event to talk to readers about what to expect when we get a little yeah. closer. So that's totally a great topic Absolutely. to bring up. So yeah, I'm look. I've got my ticket. Uh, I'm I've, I got to book my hotel, but I've got my ticket and I cannot wait. Well, we're excited that you're going to be there. Um, I, I, I'm the conference director. I have to be there. Um, but I'm also looking forward to seeing my author friends and really taking this conference to the next level in, in a lot of different ways and bringing some additional um, new speakers and new content for authors and new, new opportunities for readers too. It's going to be a lot of fun all the way around. So stay tuned for more. You can sign up to find out more about it at authornation.live. So if you're a reader or an author who's listening to this show and wants to find out more information, head over there. Um, You can get on the mailing list and it'll um, let you uh, tell them whether you're a reader, an author, or a presenter. And you can get on the appropriate list there. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Shall we get into this week's episode? We do. And I'm so excited. We have C.K. Westbrook on. She is uh, an amazing author of a science fiction series, the Impact series. Uh, The cool thing about her is C.K. is actually an environmentalist who lives and works in Washington, D.C., and she's a self-described old-school news junkie. So she's just really knowledgeable about a lot of current events issues and things. Um, Since the state of our planet and the news is bleak and depressing, C.K. escapes reality by creating intriguing characters in a science fiction world. The world these characters live in may also be dark and scary, but they have fantastic adventures which impact their planet. In in addition to creating imaginative stories, C.K. breaks free from daily life with an intense passion for travel and has been to all seven continents, which is quite an accomplishment. Um, She loves weaving real-world topics and crises into suspenseful sci-fi and fantasy. It's, you know, it's been a while since we've had a sci-fi writer, and I'm very excited about this. I am, too. Let's go ahead and get into that chat with CK. Hi, CK. Welcome to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. We're really excited to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and um, your author persona. Sure. Um, C.K. Westbrook. I live and work in Washington, D.C. My day job is a professional environmentalist, and I've done that for years. And I also, (laughs) during the pandemic, became a science fiction author. So I've had three books published. I have a fourth one getting published uh, in a few months. And I (laughs) I think that's it in a nutshell. That's awesome. So we have a couple of questions we typically start off each episode with. 
Could you please tell us when and why you decided to start writing? I heard you mentioned the, the pandemic. I think a lot of people jumped into the author ring during the pandemic. But do you remember the catalyst of what exactly made you decide, decide to say, I'm going to write a book? Yes. Um, the, the pandemic provided time. But also, my books are really dark. It's a very dark and kind of scary and suspenseful series. So, you know, the whole government shut down. The whole world kind of shut down. We were all at home which was scary, but it also provided a lot of extra time for a lot of us, right? Um, so I, and I had been really involved with the environmental movement, of course, uh, anti-gun violence movement. Um, there've been a lot of mass shootings, then like climate change, and there was just all these horrible things. And then the pandemic came down. So I feel like I, these books kind of poured out of me, these stories, because it was about like the suspense and the backdrop of uh, just kind of the darkness. And they either the characters, the, the book is actually in the pandemic. It references masks and COVID. So um, I had written stories in the past, but had never really done anything with them, never pursued getting them published, never really even finished them. So um, I was really pleased that I could pour out all of my emotions and all my imagination and all this stress into these stories. And then they got published. So like dream come true. I know like, you know, that that must've been cathartic for you to kind of be able to pour all that angst into a story. Um, did, is there anything else that you loved about the process of writing? I mean, is this the first time you've tried writing fiction like that? Yes. Um, so it's hard for me to say like, the process, absolutely. Like I just brought together all these different things and like created these characters and then created this world. So absolutely uh, catharsis. And also I didn't really realize how creative I was. I'd always called myself a really good storyteller, but I had never considered myself a writer. So putting that together was kind of like finding out something new about myself and then getting feedback that people really liked the stories was, was pretty cool. Um, and like my process was weird. I think it's unusual, but actually the more writers, what do they call it? They call it uh, plotters and pantsers, right? So I was definitely like a pantser. The story just poured out with like no direction. And then I was like, oh, I think this is going to be two books. And then I was like writing, writing. I was like, oh, this is going to be a trilogy. So um, it was very spontaneous. Um, and I think that was my process. <laughs> So what can readers expect when they pick up or, or, or download one of your books? You mentioned it's dark. You mentioned it's referencing the pandemic. And you, you talk about you're your pulling in your experience of, of knowledge of, of the environment and all the things that are going wrong with the planet. Um, well, I mean, are we talking post-apocalyptic type levels? Uh, I mean, what, 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 what type of an experience can readers get from this series? Okay, I'm going to give you a little synopsis first of the three books because I it's it's... I, it's unique. Okay. So, um, all right. Most science fiction starts out with some kind of a catastrophic, horrible event, right? It might be a Terminator or a Death Star or a virus, something catastrophic that changes everything. In my series, almost every gun owner in the world turns their weapon on themselves and a terrifying 15 minute window psh, changes everything. So it is a global mass shooting. So um, uh, and this is during the pandemic. So most people are in their house. They're already like terrified. So here's like another level of like darkness and terror. 
a hero rises up. She has to figure out how on earth something like that could happen. Why? And will there be more global violence? So that's kind of book one. That's the shooting, the premise of it. And it's very suspenseful. It's like one day after the shooting, two days after the shooting, three days after the shooting. So it's like very intense. So our reluctant hero, who is like the chosen one, has to figure out what happens. And in book two, it's not really a spoiler, the collision, there's a huge collision. So um, what role does the collision play? Then you have, it's, it is science fiction, right? So there's space and there are uh, discussions of Kessler syndrome and Kilanova and all kinds of, you know, elements in space that are actually real world, right? Our world, but for like the mass shooting and extraterrestrials. So, um, and then the third book is judgment and like who's judging who, because like everything kind of comes together. And um, that one, I want to be a little bit more careful to talk about because it's easy to give spoilers. Um, but that's like the premise of it. So it pulls in all these different elements, gun violence. There's an interwoven debate about guns and the second amendment because the characters represent different things. Um, space debris, the, the, um, Kessler syndrome, which is now being discussed more and more because there's so much more shuttles. I mean, not shuttles, launches going constantly into space than there were even like three or four years ago. I mean, during the pandemic, it exploded, right? It went from like maybe a few dozen a year to like one or two every single day worldwide, right? Launches now. So there's so much debris in space. And you've got Kessler syndrome. I tie it back to the Kilanova 2017. So it's like, um, so that's pollution in space. So then there's like the element of like, we pollute the earth, we pollute the oceans, and now we're polluting space. Definitely dark topics and and things. I mean, things for people to really consider. Um, what's been the response from readers? You said you've heard great things back from readers. Do do you get the full gamut of people like having different responses to this, or are people mostly liking how you're approaching the subject? Because these are not easy topics to broach. No, it's very, very dark. I keep telling people it gets lighter. Just hang in there. It's, it's, uh, some people, you know, like some people have a reaction, like they'll say, Oh, I love guns. I don't want to read that book. And I'm like, Well, you know, it's science fiction. We, we all love machines, but we watch the Terminator, right? I mean, Star Trek, it's like, it's, it's science fiction is, is always, I think, about thought provoking things, right? That's, that's why it's one of my favorite genres, right? So I would say that people that really love science fiction dive in. And I've had some amazing feedback, like people saying, well, I read book one on the plane, book two in the airport, and book three tonight. So like the people that get into it really get into it. Um, interestingly enough, the psycho- psychology community, I there's a woman, Dr. Karen Messina, she's a writer. She found the books. She interviewed me on her podcast because she loved the psychological elements. She's an expert in climate anxiety. And she said the way I wrote um, was really like like exactly what therapists are talking about, about levels of, of stress that especially the younger generation is going through with guns and uh, climate. So psychologists and psychiatrists are intrigued by the books and really love them. And then I'd say like science fiction people and environmentalists. So um, everyday normal people, like normal people, um, that's average people sometimes get caught up in the darkness. And, um, but again, I feel like, you know, if you liked Hunger Games, I mean, there's, they're, they're dark, but they're no more or less dark than a lot of other very popular books and series. So you, you mentioned when you first started writing this, the, the first book became two books, and then the two books became a trilogy. You've got a, a fourth book coming out. Is, is number four going to be the end for the Impact series, or is this kind of open-ended right now? 
Mm, that's a good question. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, book one, book and two, two and three were kind of a flow. And I, I just see the natural arc as I was kind of writing them. And they are shorter books. They're only like 250 in the pa- in the paperback, which I feel like my publisher was telling me was also popular in the pandemic. People had shorter attention spans and coming out because I was like, I could clump it together and make it this, you know, like, so we discussed how it would be best to be um, presented and marketed. So the aftermath kind of came out of a lot of people reading the book and asking me, well, what would happen? What what would happen later? What would happen a year later, two years later? Like, what would happen to this country or this country? Because if you know anything about um, gun ownership, the United States we, has more guns than any other country in the world. So the United States will be hit the hardest than any kind of uh, mass global uh, science fiction mass shooting. So I was like, huh. So I wrote the aftermath. It's five years after the mass shooting. So that's the question. Is it Nirvana? Is it uh, dystopia? Is it like what happens? And that's the interesting thing too, especially from young people. Like they'll pick up the book and they'll read the back of it and they'll say, oh my gosh, all the bad people are dead. And I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a really intense judgment, but that's okay. That's your truth and that's your immediate response. And then some of them are like, oh my God, my, all, my mom would be dead, my dad. So it's really, really been intriguing to see how people's immediate. So aftermath was kind of a response to that. Um but it has all new characters, references, absolutely, the whole series. So I kind of like say you could almost pick it up and just read it if you want to uh, without having read the other books. But it is also um, five years older. And I say that only because when I was re- writing the trilogy, I kind of wrapped it up without thinking that there would be more books. Because, you know, like I was like, it, it was like a big enough deal to me to get that done. But I will say this, too. I'm working on two books right now, which I never thought I'd do this. But they're almost like a prequel because I love the world that is created and the characters and the issue because it has like so many multiple other complex issues attached to it. So now I'm kind of writing about like, what was the space industry like a few years before? What was it different between, you know, um, government space, which most people identify with NASA, but now private space has taken over. And so I'm kind of like creating this, like what may have led up to what happened. That's so cool. That's cool. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jamie. No, go ahead. You have another question? No, go. Okay. Go, go. Well, no, my question is, I mean, you're, you're an environmentalist and you're, so your knowledge base there is, is higher than the average person. What do you think sci-fi and fantasy re- writers get right or wrong most about environmental issues when they write in their books? Um, that isn't like, a lot of times they get a lot of it right, right? Uh, this is like, because I don't want to give away the end of my book, but I'm like, but the end of my series. Sometimes I get frustrated because there tends to be a happy ending, you know, but sometimes it's not. Like, I don't know if you saw the movie, like, Don't Look Up. Like, there's so many things that are happening. Um, and I don't know if there's going to be a happy ending. And I think it's people's natural reaction to want to tell people it's going to be okay. Like, if you read all the reports, right, just recently, last year was the hottest year on Earth. Then we came out of the COP23 that was in, oh, I'm blanking out in the country it was in, was in the Middle East, which is a huge oil producer. And then it's like, but if we just change our ways, we can save ourselves. And as an environmentalist, I'm always like, but that's not just a little but, that should be upfront. We need to change our ways because, so sometimes I feel like fiction and science fiction kind of lets people off the hook a little bit. Um, but then you have to kind of read my books. So... I don't know if I did that or didn't do that. There's 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 discussion about it, but I do think they generally get it right. Um, but 
it's, I almost feel like everything is worse sometimes than what they present. I mean, we're about to go into a mass. I work mostly on the Endangered Species Act and with wildlife related issues, but wildlife is like, you have to think of everything because they live in the oceans, they live in the lakes, rivers, mountains, forests. Um, and, you know, we're destroying their home for pollution and palm oil and cattle and oil and gas. So, um, and we're about to go into this massive extinction crisis. So, you know, I wish we were being a little bit more urgent with people and expecting um, more action. But that's my environmental hat. That's a little bit different than what's in the books. <laughs> well, I, first off, that sounds like an idea for a brand new series. So I'm, I'm just going to drop that and just leave, walk away. Um, but second, I, I'm curious, you, you could have easily done, I see easily, I've never written sci-fi. I've only done fantasy and urban fantasy. But I, I'm looking at this and you could have gone urban fantasy. You could have gone you know, near future spec fiction, I suppose, without going full sci-fi. So I'm kind of curious if you can do this without giving away any spoilers, what nudged you into the full SF genre as opposed to keeping it more urban fantasy or near future speculative fiction? I can only say, I think it's because I'm just fascinated by space. I grew up near Kennedy Space Center in Florida. So I feel like um, as much as I am absolutely environment, nature, uh, science. I do love space as well. So just watching like the space industry and how things are happening. So I think that was another one of my things that I was super interested in and also worried about. So that became part of the book. And, um, and then again, being our world, but for, because these are all things that are actually happening. And that's one of the cool things, right? About science fiction. It's always like happening. Sometimes it's almost like predicts the future, right? The really good science fiction and fantasy, um, but, um, I don't know if mine do that as much as they're just taking things that are happening right now. I just don't think the general public knows about them. I was, I was talking to a person on the space podcast, T minus, and they were like, this is cool because you, you have characters talking about things that we cannot get people's attention on. And I'm like, right. So if enough people read this, because I think sometimes science, especially space reporting is kind of dry and people don't totally understand it or they get bored or they just want to, oh, space is sexy. It's so cool. But then past that, they're just done when you get to the details. Um, so hopefully like with characters that people care about, they'll, they'll read more into what's happening. What's, um, what are some of the things that you feel like have changed over the course of writing your stories? You know, you've, you, you just started writing during the pandemic and you wrote three books back to back. And what do you think you saw change in your writing from book one to book three or book four? Um, I think I've gotten it to be a better writer. Like when I read the first book, I kind of cringe a little bit. Like, oh, I would have said that a little bit differently. Um, and well, you can actually go back and edit your first book, by the way. Nothing's <laughs> carved in stone. That's the benefit of, of, of publishing digital content. That's absolutely true. And I have seen like things that were like little typos. You know, you read it a hundred times and your editor reads it, but you're still like, oh my God, seriously. But, um, but yeah. So I feel like I've become a better writer and also take a deep breath because for some reason, like because of the the way I wrote them and so suspenseful and then getting them published so fast afterwards, because like one was published in March of 2022, the second in September of 2022, and then the third in March of 2023. And it was like social media and the expectations that your publishers have. So it was like very rushy. So the next book, Aftermath, I, I took kind of a deep breath and was like, so I could see the process. So it went a little bit slower. Um, hopefully being a better book, just, you know, by the nature of that. Um, 
And then also even with these two that I'm working on right now, I think I'm also like, like putting it down and then doing my research days and then doing my writing days as opposed to like, just like, I was so excited maybe too. Like I was just, they were just pouring out and I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm hopefully I'm going to be a better writer as, as things progress. Yeah, you, you have to be that, that I don't, I don't see a way for you to continue to publish books and not at some point in some way, improve your craft. I, I just, I don't see how that's possible. Um, speaking of craft, you mentioned characters and you talked about how, they became that hook to allow you to talk about quote unquote dry topics. Um, we haven't talked about the characters in your story. So tell, tell us about the characters who are featured in your series. Kate is the main character in the three books of the collision. She's kind of a low level program analyst at uh, space force. And she kind of talks a little bit about the transition from NASA again, living and working in DC, very familiar more with internal workings of the agency and the government and Capitol Hill and um, so, and she's, you know, just like your regular 20 something. And then something happens to her that sucks her into this whole thing. And she, through her, it's not just education about what's going on in space and, and what's going on with guns and what's going on. There's also like misogyny and sexism as like a backdrop and who believes who when they speak, you know, and, and uh, there's this weird inclination in society to not believe like, Scientists and environmentalists, that's a reoccurring theme in most science fiction, right? But we believe rich people and we believe billionaires and we believe um, um, celebrities, even though a lot of times they're just making money off of the damage that's being caused. So there's a lot of that kind of interwoven with the character of Kate and her backstory and how she becomes the person she becomes, the hero she becomes. And then her relationships are with... um, an astrophysicist, Sinclair Jones, who becomes kind of her partner in crime. And um, and they make their way through all these things. And then more characters come into it, but they're kind of like the main characters. And then um, Rex is the bad guy. And, but I don't want to give too much away. But um, yeah, and it's funny because some people will tell me, like, they'll say, oh, I love Kate. Oh, I hated Kate. But usually there's a whole lot of more explanation behind because I'm like, kind of like the fact that she's making people think and discuss her, you know, later. So it's kind of cool. How much of you is in Kate? Um, I would say a lot in the sense that government, you know, working in DC. Um, the first book basically takes place in DC, takes place in Rock Creek Park. If you if you know DC, the second book takes place elsewhere, and the third place even different place. So I don't want to go into that because that's a spoiler. Um, but um, and so yeah, like like yeah, I'd say. There's a lot of me in her, but it's not the same thing. Like people who know me are like, they laugh and they're like, oh yeah, like that's not, that's not you. <laughs> very cool. Um, so I have, I, I used to live in DC, so I know that area very well. In fact, I was just back there in the December uh, for a short weekend. Um, got to see some family out there. I love DC. I very much miss that city. Settings are often characters in in books, and if you or if you choose to, you can create a setting which becomes as important as a character. To what degree does and you mentioned the other locations, but to what degree does DC play a factor in what happens? Um, clearly, the involvement of the government uh, organizations it, it makes sense to put it there at the center of government. But I'm also curious beyond that. What you know, if you're living in DC, how much of that? can readers expect to see in terms of like flavor and maybe locations that are, are real or actually exist in real life? Because I've done that here in LA, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles, and I've 
which I've both created fictional places, restaurants and shopping malls and that kind of stuff. But I've also referenced things that are real um, and included that and mixed that all together. So I'm curious for someone who loves DC or would like to know more about DC, how much does that setting play a part in your series? Um, I feel like if you know DC well, then you know it. Like some people are like, oh my God, I'm so scared. I'm never going to go to blah, blah, blah again. And I'm like, no, you know, but it's not like I'm never going to go to the White House or the Capitol or the Washington Monument. Like everybody knows those, even if you've only come to DC for vacation because of like on the news and they've just been a part of our, our culture. Um, and, but some of it, yes. Like I, there, there are some buildings. I think it's interesting that some of it takes place in Florida as well. So if you're familiar with Kennedy Space Center or the, or the Space Coast, I think Florida is, is also like that, like becomes a character. Um, you know, I make some jokes about Florida and things that Floridians or anybody who knows Florida, man, Florida woman will get, I think. But uh, yeah, so it's definitely a character, but it's a little bit more nuanced. Um, if you know DC, it's not nuanced at all, but So the t- the two stories that you're writing that are kind of spin off from spun off from your world, um, what is it about them that said you said, "Wow, I can write more about this place and this time"? Um, because when I was thinking, like when I was going through the process of aftermath, like what would the world be like five years after this? And then I started thinking, like, what would have led up to this? So it's kind of like the chronic neglect in our society of things that are really important. Like we have this tendency to think things make us safe that don't make us safe, like guns. And things that do make us safe that we desperately need that we just ignore, like pollution and, you know, plastics. I don't know if you saw the report the other day about how all of us have nano degrees of plastic from drinking plastic bottled water. And it's finally getting through to people that plastic bottled water is not regulated, you know, like, so your, your tap water is safer for you. So it's like, finally, I mean, it's horrible. That's it. We let things get to like a crisis where it's like a medical issue or things are on fire or Kessler syndrome's coming or something like that before we address it. So then I started to back up and say, what are the things that in hindsight, you could see that were going to create this like train wreck? And in, in in the real world, it actually was there. I just make it more um, extreme, and also you know use imagination. And like let's say half of it's real and half of it's it's my imagination. But then when you start to see the steps, I was like, oh my gosh, you could just see this happening in in um, government space programs, in the takeover of the industrial icon, um, industry of taking over space completely unregulated you know, just like the repeat, right, of everything we've ever done. Let's go to the, let's let's take over the West, you know, let's go to the United States, let's go find America and just trash everything in its way. I mean, how about the other day, they were just sort of fighting about putting ashes on the moon. I'm like, oh my God, like the, first, the third thing we're doing up there as Americans is polluting it. I mean, you know, it's just like, we are just determined, right, to like destroy everything that is good. Um, and also our obsession with money. So we do things for money that are, harmful to us, but we don't think about it at the time. Again, we just have this kind of love affair with billionaires and anything they say, we just say, okay, it's a, it's a strange phenomenon. Um, so yeah, so that would work. So I started seeing like, how could this have happened? So I'm setting up the steps about how it would happen. So I, okay. There's, 
so much going on in your books, clearly. Um, and I checked out uh, the ratings on Amazon and I'm super impressed. Um, I, I, I envy your ratings on your series. Well done. Clearly, you're writing something that's resonating with readers. I grew up reading fantasy. And so my first fledgling attempts decades ago at writing fiction was in that genre. I'm curious if you did you grow up reading sci-fi? What were your what were the touchstones for you as a kid reading? What are the books you go back to maybe every once in a while as an adult? Um like I read like everything. Like I was just thinking about like just this year alone, right? I just finished what is it called? A well-behaved woman. I literally just finished that yesterday because a friend of mine gave it to me when we were in Rhode Island doing something. And she was like, oh, I feel like the Gilded Age. I love this. Oh my God, that book is so good. I don't even part of it. It was like hugely popular. But then I read um, a book, A Bridge Over the Ocean by this guy, Jack Rochester. I love that book. It was about like starting a business in Asia. Totally, you know, drama, fiction. But I was like intrigued by it. Like, and then I read Pests, which is a book about invasive species. And then I've written, I've read two fantasy books by J.M. Paquette, uh, Claudine's Ring, and another one earlier. So I feel like I just will just, I read all kinds of books. So, um, and I think like I've been like that since a kid. So that's why when people mention books, I'm like, oh yeah, I read that. Oh yeah, I read that. I, cause it's, but when I, when you ask me what, like I was talking to my friends the other day, I was like, I started out reading Willy Wonka, um, Little House on the Prairie and like um, Narnia. So those are three like very different kinds of books, right? And it's like, but I remember just eating those series and then going to the next one, oh, you know, Lord of the Rings. Um, and then, so I just feel like, did I grow up reading science fiction? Not specifically. Like, I feel like science fiction was always blended in there, but it wasn't like, if you asked me what my favorite genre was at 16 or 26, I would not have said science fiction. I would have just been like, I read all kinds of books and nonfiction. But movies, yes, science fiction. I feel like that's my favorite genre for movies. So that kind of, and fantasy. What's, what's your favorite sci-fi movie? Oh, Star Wars. And it's weird because like, I feel like I was six the first time I saw it, like I'm that old. And it just blew my six-year-old brain out of the water. And I was a Star Wars obsessed person for the whole rest of my life. And, you know, Star Trek and, um, you know, even the modern, all the Marvel and, and, and everything. I just, yeah, I really enjoy all that. I love good versus bad. I love space. And I love like most of them often have an environmental theme, right? Thanos was trying to wipe out half the world to save nature. I mean, sometimes the environmentalist is the good guy, sometimes the bad guy. Um, so yeah, love it. I definitely I, I got a reaction. I definitely got a you know a thought when you said all every gun under in the world just kills themselves like in a, in an instant, and I was just like, that's a Thanos moment right there. Um, and you're you're right. It's just like it's like the blip, right? And what effect would that have if half the people on that planet ceased to exist? Um, and and some countries had a greater deficit than others because of certain things and, and you know, prevalence of guns and things like that. What would happen? Um, amazing thoughts. Well, we've got, we could keep talking a lot, but we're, we're down to the rapid fire question round our no wrong answers round, as we like to call it, because there are no wrong answers. We're going to take turns asking you quick questions. First thing that pops into your head, just kind of go with it and, um, we'll be done before you know it. All right, here we go. Favorite continent. so hard you know i've been to all seven. Oh my god um 
Scotland's my favorite country, so I have to say Europe, but I love Tanzania and Africa. Uh, I'll go with Europe. Okay, Europe it is. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, Green Day. Anything by Green Day, but I Want to Be a Minority got me in the most trouble singing it the most times. So I'd say that's my go-to. Excellent. Magical Powers or Tony Stark's Mind? Tony Stark's Mind. And I hate billionaires, right? I just said that. I'm self-hating right now. No wrong answers. (laughs) Wrong answers. Okay. Would you rather ask for permission or ask for forgiveness? Forgiveness. And last one, sleeping with socks on, yes or no? No. Okay. Awesome. Well there done. we go. Well, it, all right. Well, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, fine, I'll do it. Fine, I'll do it. <laughs> so, um, for the listeners out there, you've got another book coming up. Please tell them the title and the release date and where they can read that. Okay. So, my uh, web- website is www.ckwestbrook.com. You can sign up for my newsletter because I don't have a publication date just yet, but I will be sending that out to everyone who gets my newsletter. It'll be all over my website. On my website, you can also find my LinkedIn tree. I have socials on X, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook. So all of that's there under CK Westbrook or CK Westbrook author. I will be at AwesomeCon in Washington, D.C., March 8th through the 10th, which is coming up really soon signing and selling. And I will be at Baltimore's um, uh, comic book convention in September. A lot of other little things, but I love uh, awesome cons and and, uh, geek culture. So if anyone comes to those things, come and find me in the artist alley. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, CK. And um, I hope people will reach out and join your newsletter and maybe catch you at a con soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Wow, CK had a lot to talk about, and she deals with some tough topics, but sounds like she does it in in a creative and maybe non-confrontational way. Uh, Maybe balanced. Yeah, balanced is a better word. You know, and it's tough. And and she didn't pick just one uh, lightning rod. She threw in a whole bundle. She grabbed the whole wire. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But but like I said, in a balance, like you said, in a balanced way and makes me really intrigued. And the readers are loving the stories she's writing. Totally. The ratings are crazy. Awesome. I'm, I'm very envious. I have star envy of her, uh, of her ratings. So, um, and she's got the fourth book coming out, which takes place five years in the future. Uh, doesn't sound like she's done with this world or with this series anytime soon. Yeah. It's exciting that she's got more to come for people. So stay tuned. We'll have links to CK's website and everything we talked about on the show over in the notes at jamiedavisbooks.com. So you can head over there and click the podcast tab to find out more. In the meantime, Scott, why don't you share with listeners how they can get in touch with you and follow what you're up to? I am easily found at scottiswriting.com. And I'm Scott is writing at pretty much all my active social media accounts. How about you, my friend? Well, you can check out my new community over at the Ream Stories site, and you can link up with me there and read a free short story for just following me over there. So take the shortcut at jamiedavisbooks.com/family. Until next time, I'm Jamie Davis. 
And I'm Scott Walker, and we're asking you to keep on reading and keep listening here to the Books and Authors Fantasy and Sci-Fi Podcast. Thank you.